we do this thing every week where I send out a hashtag and I ask you guys to respond to that topic. And since so many kids are going, uh, doing remote learning this year, I asked you guys to tweet out a funny homeschooling story and tag it with homeschool fail. This one's from at I don't speak wine. She says, uh, what does the word copious mean? Use the context clues in the surrounding sentence to try and figure it out. Three seconds later, Alexa, what does copious mean? <laughs> Sloan 0418851. She says, I'm homeschooling four children while looking after my one and two year old. No funny story, just a plea for help. <laughs> I'll keep you in our thoughts. This one's from at Keeper Fairies. She says, I got a call from the vice principal telling me that my kid attending class from the hot tub is inappropriate and cannot happen again. Uh, this last one's from at M. Cap. He says, we've homeschooled our kids for the past eight years. This is the year we chose to send them to school for the first time. Uh, there you have it. Those are our Tonight Show hashtags. All right. Well, we're going to get to that video in just a moment. Welcome to part two of our series, Follow, where we are covering the key parts of following Jesus. Not all of them, but we're trying to touch on at least some of them. And last week, we kicked off this series debunking the idea that kind of the world and honestly, sometimes the church gets us to buy into. And that is that if we want to belong to a group, we want to belong to a church. We want to be in the in crowd. We want to be accepted. If we want that, if we want to feel cared for and cared about, that we have to change. That something happens in us first and then we can follow. That's what the world, and as we learned last week on the next slide, um, that's what the world and Pharisees told us. That we have to change and then we can follow. We can be apart. Then Jesus stepped onto the pages of history and Jesus told us, the opposite of that and breaks that down to follow and be changed. Jesus essentially told us last week, as we learned um, that he says, I don't want your sin and your past and your failures. And the fact that you haven't read your Bible in years to get in the way of me. I want to invite you to follow because, because get this, I care. And I want to be with you. And so I don't want your guilt and all that stuff that's piled up over the years to hold you back from following me. And when you do, that is when you experience change. Change that benefits you, not conforms you, but change that grows you. And, and because you know through Jesus that your heavenly father loves you and that you have, um, uh, that you know what life is, what uh, finding purpose is and, and what it really means to follow Jesus. And so if anyways, if you missed any of that, you can go on our website, you can go onto our app and you can watch and listen to it to catch back up to part two, which is where we're at today. Now, today I wanted to start in part two, acknowledging a reality that we all face and that is that we all have problems and challenges. We all have problems and challenges. Some of you maybe are amening at home because you, you get this, that you feel like you have problems and challenges. Um, this is not abnormal. This is just a reality of going through life. It's the reality of going through a pandemic because 
things are not normal right now, right? Your kids are in school one week and out the other, and you're trying to figure out childcare and all that kind of stuff and the implications of that. They're watching their class from their hot tub, and then you get in trouble, or you said something in the background of the classroom, and the whole class heard it, and then they all are judging you as a parent, and it's just, it's, there's a lot of strain on families these days. Or maybe for you, things have kind of looked a little different um, because uh, some work-related issues. Maybe it's just tough these days to get the sale and maybe your job is kind of on the line. Or maybe you lost your job because of what's going on in our world. There's a whole slew of new stresses. There's new tolls that are being taken on friendships and marriages. And that's kind of seeping out into extended families. And um, honestly, it's just emotionally a bit draining to always second guess and question when I can go somewhere. How do I go somewhere? How do I hang out with people? Because I really want to hang out with people, but is it safe? And, and you're worried about health issues, or maybe you have existing health issues, and those are being compounded by the realities of today. Um, maybe people have hurt you, or you've hurt people, and this whole pandemic has just kind of made relationships that just much more complicated. Um, and it, in, in some cases, unfortunately, and, and you can see the statistics on this, um, th- this time, the season that we're all in has kind of brought out sometimes not the best sides of us, maybe a bit of a selfish side of us, or some of us have fallen back into bad habits that we had in the past or addictions that we had that we're struggling with now. And we're just kind of angry all the time, or we're doing that thing that we know we shouldn't do. And we're not telling anybody about it. We're hiding it, but you know, we justify it because there's so many problems. Everybody's got problems. And so you deserve this one thing, this one bad thing or behavior, even though you know it's wrong, you just deserve it. And, and that's just kind of pandemic life. And, and honestly, it's kind of life before a pandemic too, but things are just a little harder now. And certainly you've been there. If you maybe don't feel like you're there right now, you know what it feels like to have problems. And then in the midst of your very real and understandable problems, somebody like myself or a pastor or a Christian somehow inserts themselves into your life or your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed. And they say, in the midst of these problems and challenges, all you need to do is you just need to have faith and trust Jesus and follow him. And that's going to just solve your problems. And I'll just be honest with you, as an agnostic, when I spent some years as being agnostic, that approach especially in the midst of real problems and challenges, that approach just really got under my skin. Because I sat there and I thought to myself, well, how, how in the world is having faith and specifically faith in Jesus going to solve these very real pressing problems? To me as an agnostic, and maybe to some of you, the ways you solve problems included getting a job, getting a raise, making the sale, Getting your kids back in school, going to AA, getting a counselor, being kind to one another, asking for forgiveness, getting forgiveness. Those were the things that, you know, I kind of thought were, this is how you are supposed to solve problems. Faith really didn't fit into that equation. In fact, when faith got brought in, and maybe this is how you feel too, it kind of felt insufficient. I'm just supposed to have faith in the midst of this? It felt to have faith sometimes a bit too intangible, not enough. Even for those of you that consider yourself church people, there are times, isn't this true, that you feel like faith just isn't enough. 
Or maybe it's just too ethereal, it's too mystical, and it's like, I just don't get how it all works, and so I just, I just don't even go there when I have a problem. It's difficult to connect the dots between faith and Jesus and how that actually can make our lives better. And so today, I want to attempt, at least, to help connect the dots, to demystify faith just a little bit, not completely. There's always going to be a mystery to faith because you're trusting in something you can't see. But ultimately, so that you leave today um, willing, maybe, to consider what faith could do in your life, or maybe to step back into faith because you've been gone for a long time, or or maybe to wrestle with some of the doubts that you've been having and, and in some meaningful way, engage with faith. And to do that, I want to start today by kind of giving you a definition of faith. And it's not a complete definition, kind of partial. I'm actually going to start with what's called a simile. And so if you remember high school literature class, you're going to be great. And if you don't, like me, don't worry. Essentially, it's one thing that's like another thing. And so I want to introduce faith to you as if faith is like a bridge. Faith is like a bridge. And what does a bridge do? Common sense. A bridge, a bridge gets you from one side to the other. A bridge gets you from one side of the valley to the other. In other words, a bridge gets you somewhere you otherwise wouldn't be able to go. And I know for you critical people out there, you're going to say, well, Taylor, I could just walk around the hole or the, the wade through the river that the bridge helps me get to. And so then I would just say, well, then... The bridge will help you get it somewhere at least more efficiently, at least easier and quicker. It makes life easier. That's why we build bridges, right? Faith does the same thing. In fact, we know this because we have an expression for this. Christian or not, there is an expression out there that describes faith. And so I'm going to have you fill in the blank here for a second. Okay, ready? So take a blank of faith. Okay, what's the blank? Take a Okay, one person in this room got it. There's not a lot of people in this room, but one person got it. Yeah, you take a leap of faith. Why a leap? Because you're in one place and you're jumping towards something else, something new, something different, something you otherwise wouldn't be able to get to unless you took a leap over something to get there. And you're not, honestly, in a lot of cases, sure what will happen when you get there, but you're going to trust in what you cannot see. In other words, the other side that when you get there, it will be beneficial to you. In fact, we do this all the time. I do this all the time. You may not consider yourself a faith person, but you put faith in things all the time. When you went out for sports uh, in, in middle school, high school, college, even in adult life, when you go out for a sport, you're putting faith in your team. You're hoping, you're trusting in what you may not have not been able to see yet, that if you join the team and those people are with you, you're going to do better together. You put faith in your coach. As, as parents, especially when you became a parent for the first time, you were putting faith in what? Yourself and tablets and TV, right? Put a lot of faith in that. Faith in that. Maybe you put faith in fate too. I don't know with your parenting style, right? Um, when you um, got married, that is an exceptional example. When you got married, you put faith in that other person. Because let's be honest, you, you had no idea where the marriage was going to be 5, 10, 
20, 40 years down the road, but you took it on faith that if you were with this person, your life would be better. Their life would be better and you would be better together for the long term, no matter what life threw at you. You trusted in what you could not see. You put faith when you take a new job, you put faith when you get a new business or start a new business, right? There's faith happening all around it. And I want you to think about those moments in your life where you had a big decision to make, maybe like a life-changing decision, maybe the ones that I just kind of listed or maybe something else when there was like, this was a pivotal moment in your past when things kind of changed direction, good or bad. And isn't it true in that moment, faith was involved. You didn't know what would happen, but you extended your faith and it took you somewhere, hopefully to a good place, but it took you somewhere. And so when Jesus approaches us, as we've been talking about, Jesus approaches us and Jesus says, follow me. He's saying, I want you to put your faith in me. I want you to build a bridge to me and cross that bridge. And not actually in a small way either. He's actually talking in a big way. Not in a short-term way either, a long-term way. He's saying, I want you to put your life in my hands. Your life is in your goals. I want you to put your goals in my, my hands. Your hopes, your identity, your eternity. I want you to trust me ultimately for those things. All those questions and doubts and concerns and decisions and all those wrongs and sins and fears and loneliness and loss and emotions that you feel you need to put those on Jesus. You got to build a bridge to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to lean on you. In other words, Jesus, I'm, I do what you, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And in so doing, I'm going to learn how to follow you and handle all those crazy things that life throws at me, all those emotions, because I'm taking my cues from you. This brings about, as we're going to learn here in the next few minutes, this brings about very real solutions to very real life problems. Because you're bringing creator God of the universe, even if you don't believe in God, just consider that if there is a God, he created the universe. You're bringing creator God into your life. And you're taking a little bit of you out of the equation. And I don't say that in a mean way. I'm just saying like, let's be honest, you were there for most of your regrets, weren't you? I mean, you were there for most of your mistakes and wrongs. You were there with, with your doubts and your fears. You're the one bringing these things to the table. And so you're saying, Jesus, Father in heaven, I want to have you be a part of those places in my life. When I'm afraid, I'm going to trust you ultimately. So why wouldn't it just, again, hypothetically at least considering, why wouldn't it make life better if the Son of God was a part of it? If you invited the Son of God into your life and you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take my cues from you. I'm going to use faith. I'm going to put my faith in you and build a bridge to you in all these different areas of my life. Early in Jesus' ministry, he was teaching a, a large crowd and uh, sometimes uh, you didn't, because you didn't have like um, microphones and, and big screens and live stream and all that good stuff that we have now today, um, <laughs> you'd have to yell 
for people to hear you. And especially if there was a large crowd, you'd try to find a place physically to put yourself so that everybody could hear you. And oftentimes Jesus, because he taught around uh, the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, he would leverage the lake itself to help get his message out. And so um, when people would follow him and gather, they'd gather on the shoreline and he would get in a boat. And then he'd push the boat a little out into the lake and then all the people would gather in the shoreline and the sound when you preach, it creates almost a natural amphitheater. Your sound is going to reach all the people that are on the shore listening. And so on this particular day, he got a boat from a guy named Simon and you know him as Peter. His name is Simon Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He was uh, kind of standing uh, on the side of the lake after a long night of fishing, cleaning his nets. And he's listening to Jesus as he cleans his nets, um, uh, kind of in the background, if you will. And, and maybe this is kind of how you, in a way, have approached faith in, in Jesus. You just kind of, you're overdoing your thing. You know, you, you're so focused on your work and your personal life and your income and your job title, all that good stuff. You know, you don't really have time to fully pay attention and to really engage with Jesus. Or maybe some of you are, Jesus followers already. And, and you're kind of over there cleaning your nets because you've heard this story before Jesus. You've heard it a million times before. Taylor's preached the story a million times before. And so you just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. Or for some of you, you're hearing Jesus, you're cleaning your nets, but you're not believing a word he's saying. This is Peter. Peter, this is the first time Peter's met Jesus. And he's just standing there on the side, half listening, half cleaning his nets. And then Luke, Dr. Luke, who documents the story, Luke chapter five was where we're going to be today, says that, or documents this. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And at least in my mind, how I picture the scene going, this was that awkward moment question like, Peter realizes Jesus is done. And then, you know, Jesus is saying something to Peter and Peter's like, are you, are you talking to me, Jesus? Because if you're talking to me, one, use my name. Two, this is a really weird request because obviously Jesus, I'm here cleaning my nets because I've been fishing all night and you are a rabbi. You're a teacher. You know nothing about fishing and you just all of a sudden pick me out from the side because you're using my boat and I was nice enough to let you use my boat. Now you're going to kind of be snarky at me and tell me to go out and try to catch some more fish after you've obviously seen that I've caught nothing. Simon, Simon answered, he said this, uh, Master, we've worked, and he's being respectful, Master Jesus, we've worked hard all night long because Jesus, and I know you don't know anything about fishing, but here's how this works. We take our nets, we put them in the water, and then we drag them behind the boat, hopefully catching fish. And uh, we have to row or we sail, and then we pull the nets in. We try again, back and forth all night long. We are tired. We've put in a hard night's work, and we've not caught anything. And that's a little frustrating, Jesus. In fact, we actually, we have caught some things. It's trash. That's why we have to clean our nets out. We're catching fish we don't want and <clears throat> pieces of, you know, twigs and stuff. So we've got to clean our nets. And Jesus in the midst of this says, go out, throw out those nets again, and just pull them back in. That 
to Simon Peter sounded silly. It's the best way to say it. But this is the you got to have faith moment. This is the opportunity to build a bridge in an area of your life where you have never considered inviting Jesus into. You maybe don't even know what that looks like because you've never tried. This is the moment where you're like, this feels silly to approach this very real problem of not having any fish with faith. Because sometimes faith feels silly. It feels uncomfortable. I think in part, that's why we resist it. Because it's so much easier to trust in, to find hope in, in what we can see, not what we can't. But Peter says, but Jesus, because you trying to be respectful here, Jesus, you say so, I will take my boat out. I will go down and let the nets out. And when they had done so, when they had done so, their nets started to get heavy. They started to drag the boat slower and slower. And then some splashing started as hundreds of fish started to fill up the entirety of their nets and fill the surface. And then the boat starts kind of tilting over to one side. Peter starts panicking like, this is just whiplash. I was out all night, caught nothing. And now my nets are so full, so full that I've never experienced this before. My boat's turning over. What am I going to do? He and his team or people with him start freaking out. James and John are in another boat over there, okay? And I don't know about you. Again, this is just my picture of how this went down. I think Jesus was watching from the shore, like 100 feet from, you know, they're 100 feet out from shore and Jesus is watching on the shore. And I just pictured that Jesus has this kind of parental smile, this loving parental smile on his face as he watches this happen. Because he knows it's all going to be okay. But he knows that because Peter decided to put a bridge, to build a bridge, to extend faith, his life will forever be changed. This is that moment when you see, if you're a parent, you see your child And they're struggling to figure something out. And you know they're going to get it. And you know they're going to love it. A new skill. Something that just isn't going to take them to another day or get them through. But something that's going to change them forever. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled over to their partners, James and John in the other boat. They signaled over to uh, their partners. Next slide. Signaled over their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. Because to make sure they didn't lose their nets, which were fairly valuable at the time. Um, They had to bring on board so much fish that their boats were sinking under the weight. And when the dust settled, Peter and James and John as fishermen looked at the largest catch they have ever made. Think about the implications of that. Think about if you were in their shoes. You just witnessed a miracle. Not only that, but you you are now with a boatload of fish. In other words, you're with a boatload of income, probably enough income. They could take the rest of the year off. All of them. 
their lives from this moment forward would forever be changed. And not just because of a miracle, but because of this, what they did next. They pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. This is my opinion, but I think a lot of times, friends, we, we, tend, to, uh, we tend to look at our problems we tend to look at the challenges in our life. We tend to look at the things that, let's be fair, just inconvenience us and compared to what other people have to experience. And we look at that and then we look at God and we expect God to pull off a miracle. Not because we have faith or anything, but more just because we want a quick fix. I mean, if Amazon can get us our packages in a two days, why can't Jesus just fix our problem at least in a two minutes? Less work for us, good for everybody, right? Because we don't want to work on faith. We don't want to study. We don't want to learn. We don't want to look foolish going back out in the lake and dropping some nets down in, even though we've been fishing all night. And therefore, we don't really give much of an opportunity for Jesus to flood our boats and make it overwhelmingly clear that he exists and is in control. I think a lot of times we just want to sit back and let Jesus create miracles all over so we can just live an easy life. And we don't have to trust him. We don't have to trust more. We just stay where we are, comfortable. And don't get me wrong, I think a miracle is possible. But I think we should be focused on not just the miracle part of the story, we should be focused on the other part. The other part that I think Jesus is ultimately trying to get his 21st century audience to pay attention to. A solution that's not quite as easy and as quick, but is life-changing, and it's this right here. We need to be putting our nets down to see if we catch anything. To use Peter's word, we may have worked hard personally all night, we may have worked hard, in fact, for months, years even. After all that, we're going to put it down one more time. And he did. And it meant everything. Why did he do it? Because Jesus asked him to. And when you put your faith out there, over and over and over again, when you start learning and growing, when you start trusting and letting God become the perfecter of your faith, what happens is your faith intersects with God's faithfulness. And when that happens, my friends, lives change. That's when hope is found, forgiveness happens, when you are building a bridge, when you are building a relationship with your Father in heaven. And there's so many examples of this. Time after time throughout the stories of Jesus' ministry, this is what happened over and over again. Peter, again, on a boat, same lake, same kind of situation other than there's a storm going on. Jesus is a little later in his ministry, a bunch of disciples in the boat, right? You know, the story storm comes up, okay? Jesus walks on water out to them and we tend to focus on the miracle part of it. And maybe I think where we should sometimes be more focused or at least equally as focused is on the fact that Peter did what only Peter could do and stepped out of the boat. That's faith. 
Peter's faith intersect with God's faithfulness. And for a few steps, he was the only man to have walked on water other than Jesus. He got out of the boat and walked. Could Peter walk on his own on water? No, of course not. But obviously Jesus could. And so he trusted. He had faith. Roman centurion has a very ill servant. Goes to Jesus. Hears that Jesus can um, heal people. And decides to walk himself, which is a profound thing. Walk to Jesus and ask Jesus to heal his servant. What did the centurion do? He did what only he could do. And trusted God for the rest. And it changed his entire life. Peter did what only he could do. Centurion did what only he could do. A sick woman reached out to Jesus, to touch Jesus because she was so ill and she needed healing. And, he, and she was healed. Could she heal herself? No. Could she reach out to Jesus? Yes. So she did what only she could do and trusted Jesus to do only what Jesus could do. When our faith intersects God's faithfulness, lives change. Your life could change. This is when the bridge is built. This is when you begin to cross over. This is the start of a relationship, not an instantaneous, miraculous, everything's just done for you. No, it is a journey. The connection may be made in a moment, but it is a journey from that point, just as it was for Peter and John and James and Andrew and all the other disciples. Trust is formed. Trust is built when you're following Jesus. And all your problems will still be there, most of them at least. But they will be seen through a God-sized lens. They will be seen through the fact that you have Jesus in front of you and you are following. You know where you're going. Problems are coming at you, but you know where you're going. Because you are extending faith. You're building the bridge. You can move through some of the challenges of life with answers, with purpose, with direction and peace. And some of you desperately need that. Probably just not once or twice. But I just want you to remember that God cares way too much about you to do it all for you. Because some of you want a lot of miracles and, and that's okay, but God cares really way too much about you to do it all for you. He's given you many gifts and talents to grow and share. So he's not going to do it all for you. Maybe you get you know, one miracle or something like that. But what he wants you to do is to build the bridge, build the relationship. And it isn't easy. It takes time. It takes learning. It takes listening. This was the start of the story of Peter. The story of Peter goes on for years, centuries, in fact, millennia, in fact, right? Because you can go today to St. Peter's Basilica, where it is theorized that Peter was actually executed. And the, they built the basilica over top of that. To celebrate Peter. Could you imagine sitting down with Peter, the fisherman, and saying, Peter, this is how your life and your legacy is going to look. Explain that to him. An illiterate fisherman on the sea of first century Galilee. Who would know? All he knew, though, was he was going to follow. He was going to make an investment, a faith investment. 
And yes, problems would be solved and lives would be changed. But he knew where he was going to build his life. Not on sand that would wash away in a storm, but on a firm foundation. So when our faith intersects with God's faithfulness, lives change. I'm going to do what only I can do and have faith that God will do what only he can do. I'm going to bring my doubt because that's all I can do sometimes. I can bring my doubt. Maybe I can actually explore a little further. I could read some books, could ask some questions. I could engage. I'm going to trust God to do what only God can do. When it comes to parenting, maybe I'm going to do everything that I could possibly do to become a better parent and solve the real and practical questions that I have about how do I do this well? How do I raise the next generation? Kids that will make an impact long past my life. What an opportunity. How many people could get such an opportunity to make generational impacts? There's no way you can know it all. But what you can do is bring to bear what you know how to do in your faith and trust that God will do the rest. Same thing with your marriage, your finances, your time. You give God Sunday mornings to be here with us. You give God some time out of your week to join a small group, to give a portion of your income, to essentially extend your faith and see what happens. To exercise your faith muscle and grow it. Why not give it a try? Because some of you haven't really yet. Faith is always the catalyst that brings change in the case of Jesus. And it will change your life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for Peter and James and John in this moment that Luke tells us about that happened one day when the time was right on this lake. Thank you for this moment that Peter, Simon Peter, decided not to just stay on the shore. Not just to let it go in in one ear and out the other. To say, I've made it, I've arrived, I'm good. Not just to meet it with unbelief and total skepticism and walk away, but to extend a little bit of faith and hop back in the boat, go out and put his nets back in. Father, help that to be our story too. Obviously, we're not fishermen. We have a lot of different professions, a lot of different responsibilities, a lot of different people in our lives and relationships in our lives. But in what we do have, Lord, help us to take steps that we begin to trust you. We begin to extend our faith in you into those areas of our lives. We begin to let a God-sized solution come into our lives. A loving, a God who loves us to come into our lives and our problems and our doubts and our secrets and everything and begin to trust him instead of ourselves, to follow him. Lord, help us to use your son as a model for our lives, to build bridges, to invest and to take time because it matters. It matters because the problems and the challenges won't go away. But the solution can change. The solution, in fact, can change everything. Help us with the wisdom and the strength and the people that we need in our lives to accomplish this, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, a couple of discussion questions to keep the conversation going at home. Number